Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Jamal Thomas. I'm joined with my co-host Shane Stranahan coming to you live out of our station in Washington, D.C. Over the weekend, as I'm looking through stories and looking through some of the chatter that's taking place on social media, I came across this notion of the U.K. and the United States basically boycotting or threatening to boycott the Beijing Olympics. Now, this is pretty astonishing. Oftentimes what they're trying to use on this is human rights as a way of trying to go against China. This is just another area of quote-unquote deep competition um, in the way that the U.S. and its vassal states are going about this. Considering this country was just now revealed that we killed like 60 women and children and then recently killed another seven women and children, then this has basically been the way wars have been raged, despite the fact they haven't even called them wars over the last 20 years. We can still point our finger and say that those guys are betraying human rights. It's astonishing. It's just like the Tillis memo said. You basically attack people who are not your friends on issues of human rights, while your friends who have atrocious levels of human rights issues, let's say Saudi Arabia, for example, gets a complete pass. And now this has gone all the way to the Olympics. We have a conversation about this and other issues that are taking place right now. We're joined with Carl Ja. He's host of Silk and Steel podcast focused on China and surrounding regions and their history, politics, and culture. Carl, how's it going, my man? Thank you for joining us. Hey, <clears throat> hello again. Absolutely. So I, I want to start with the Beijing thing. I mean, there's a few other issues to get to, but what is China's thoughts on this? I mean, this is just seems to be another level of, okay, we need to find something else to pick with China about. And using the Beijing Olympics as one of the ways to basically do this. Um, has China responded to this at all? And what has been their take on this kind of, I guess you can say, pivot um, in this particular regard? Um, I, I don't think uh, <clears throat> China had made any official statement about this, but this is ridiculous, as you pointed out. I mean, if first they tried to use all kind of excuse to boycott the Olympics. First, it was uh, the so-called Uyghur genocide. I mean, if they really believe there's a real genocide going on, they should just boycott, no question. Just well, not just it. boycott, not... stop dealing with them business-wise. I mean, you yes, have, you have just... these huge trade relationships. Yeah. And you're basically saying these guys are the Nazis. Okay, fair enough. If that's true, then what's the feeling today of people who were basically trading with the Nazis while they were committing genocide and murdering the Jews in that way? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's illogical on its face. It's like, oh, no, we're going to keep these trade relationships, but these guys are basically Nazis. It's nonsense. I'm sorry, Carl. Please finish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, they're just using it as a, as, a, as a tactic now, a negotiation chip. And, and the U.S. has always used human rights as a negotiation chip, as a kind of club to beat on government they don't like. And in particular case, now they're trying to use a pen strike case uh, to, to, as, a, as an excuse to, to, to talk about boycott Olympics. I mean, this is, this is a country that had a huge scandal on the U.S. gymnastic team. Uh, and, and we are going to use what, you know, the Pennsylvania case happening in China as an excuse to boycott. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it actually does make sense to me. I know why they're doing this, but logically, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, on, the general, on a general case, there's a lot of stuff that I agree with you on. But in the specific case, it's also kind of weird. And I'll put it like this. I don't think that we should be boycotting China's Olympics over this. I agree that that seems like a uh, merely a... Uh, a political move, but you know, there, there, it is kind of weird. Maybe we can get into the specifics of the case. Peng Shui, tennis player, a couple of weeks ago made uh, accusations against the former vice premier of China. 
was sensed, and this is, again, super highlights. I'll leave it to you to clean up any inaccuracies, Carl, or any, you know, fill in any, any missing holes, that kind of thing. She makes these accusations. She has not heard, heard from for, for, for a couple of weeks. Then we hear from her in the form of a sort of short email written in her voice saying that the things that she said were wrong. She retracts them, but she's doing fine. People speculate, hey, she's being coerced. Maybe she's even dead. Some people go that far. Then a couple of days ago, over the weekend, media comes out. Photos come out of her. Video comes out of her at a party. You know, multiple videos have now come out. That kind of thing confirming, okay, no, she's alive. But people still speculate. Maybe she's being coerced. Not necessarily violently, but coerced nonetheless. And then this, you know, sort of hits at these larger notions of China as this authoritarian, heavy-handed state that will, you know, suppress local dissent, even if it's just a tennis player making a sexual harassment allegation. That's a sort of high-level narrative going on over in the States, and it's an interesting case. Carl, what do you see, and what, what do you think I might have got wrong or framed incorrectly in the way that I, I framed that? Because I think that is how the West sees this one. But Carl, take it away. Right. I mean, uh, I highly, for people who really want the whole nine yards details, uh, they actually go can go check out the Reddit translation of Pen Shui's original Weibo post. So what we know about this case right now is what Pen Shui posted on her verified Weibo account, and and then very soon it went viral in China. Uh, everybody knew about it, but the censors uh, either the, either she removed it or the censor removed it, uh, that Weibo post was gone, but not before everybody took screenshot and shared it around. So now everybody knew about it. Now the content of the this post, obviously it's in Chinese, there are different translations, but the this is one instance where read, one rare instance, I would say, Reddit become useful. <laughs> the, I read the Reddit English translation, I read the original Chinese uh, uh, post. The Reddit translation actually comes pretty close. So basically, uh, Pen Shui related her uh, kind of the whole affair, sexual entanglement with a vice, former vice premier of China. And she said that, he, uh, you know, after not seeing her for seven years, she, originally they had a sexual relationship more than 10 years ago. And then, but when she he became the vice premier, he stopped it. And then after like a seven years not basically ghosting her, he invited her to his own home with his wife, um, and there he pressured her to have sex with him. That's a that's the exact that's the language she used. She said he pressured her, and he did not. She did not agree, but then she stayed on to have dinner with him and his his wife. So so this with the full knowledge of the wife. So obviously the vice premier has some kind of open relationship with the wife. And 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 what she she said what she she said someone was, you know, when she, the vice premier took her to to the room and pressure to have, have sex. There's someone outside, and uh, like it was not very clear. I think she was. Looks almost seems like she was implying that the the wife was on the lookout. You know, kind of guard their house that, because the next sentence she said it's. So unbelievable that the wife the wife would agree to do this, yeah. and and then she stayed on to have dinner with the with, with them. And she said after dinner she still did not agree to have sex. At that point, the the vice premier or well, former vice premier, uh, you know, told her that he hated her. He never forget her through all seven years, and and how much uh, you know he he misses her. And then he 
she said she felt scared and and panicked, and then at and then and and she had a very mixed feel, and because she, uh, because she recalled the the fond affection she did feel for him seven years ago, uh, finally she did agree to have sex with with him, and so. So she was definitely pressured into having sex, but after that, they they continued their relationship. They continued affair for another three years, and they she they they keep on seeing each other. But what happened was that um, he didn't want to make the affair public, yeah. even though the wife already know. And and she wanted more than just a secret affair. She, but he told her that. Uh, you know, at his position, divorce is impossible, and he just wanted to keep it under wraps, uh, have have like have her on the side as a secret mistress. And then she got upset. And then on top of that, even though the wife was okay, kind of okay, but on the when he's not around, the wife will making snide remarks that that is very humiliating for her. So she decided enough is enough. Yeah. That's why she posted this this her her Weibo post so this if if the allegation is true this what this is 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 a very powerful man a very manipulative man you know manipulated her pressure a woman much younger than him i think there's like a 30 year uh, age gap between them the the, the former vice premier is now like 75 or something like that so th- this is something that we know happens in many societies and is very um this this is this is something very very creepy very like this deserved to be condemned. Well, what happened next? I think it's a it's a it's a combination of self owned by the Chinese censors because you know if, if she didn't remove the post herself, then the Chinese censor removed it. And then when other people try to post screenshot on Chinese social media, a lot of those posts are being removed. So I I, I and, and then and um. Penswai's Weibo account is still up. I checked, but what happened is that all the comment section on her previous posts have been disabled. So I'm pretty sure the censor did that, and mm. that created the impression that you know maybe Penswai is in trouble. So and then you know we have then the, the Western media of course pounce on it because they look for anything to to paint China in the worst possible uh, light. And and there's like conspiracy saints. They first like I I see people. Even saying stuff like maybe Pensrai has been killed, maybe like you know why he's she's been disappeared. It's the same kind of a uh, a uh, talk that when um, when Alibaba's uh, founder Jack Ma disappeared from public view, it, there was a big media frenzy also about how China disappeared Jack Ma, and, and but eventually Jack Ma surfaced. But this is uh, I think this is one of the way that uh, it's a self-owned China's part because the 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 over the overactive censorship and because and also the how the Chinese uh, state media handle it. You know, we yeah. in, here in the West, we we're told like so the Chinese propaganda is some powerful machine that going to brainwash people. But if you watch the Chinese state media actually in action, it's pretty pathetic. You know, they, they posted uh, her supposedly her email. Um, which raised the question: How did the Chinese state media get hold of her email? And then they posted um, uh, the, the the moments from her WeChat uh, from her WeChat. Again, leaves the question: Why? How did the state media handle get to her? Uh, you know, friend circle. The, the, none of that ex- explained. And the video that released has a clear date. You know, they, they have a very clear focus on the date that was showing. Was okay. This was yesterday. So 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 every it. 
every bits of it looks staged. So, so people are have obviously this is all going to raise all kind of questions, especially in outside of China, especially in the in the Western coverage of China. The, you know, China is already under microscope, and the Chinese state media is not helping themselves by doing all these very clumsy attempt to to kind of debunk so-called uh, the, the Penshui case. Carl, that's, and, but I want to cut him very briefly, yeah, because yes, partly because that's a very fair and I think uh, accurate and just balanced summary of, of what's happened here. And looking into the translation, which I had not read, and I'm sure a lot of folks hadn't, by the way, you can find for yourself Penshui we're talking about. Her name is spelled, by the way, for the audience, P-E-N-G-S-H-U-A-I. If you're curious, if you're hearing what we're talking about, and you're like, wait, how do I find out about this? And you can search that name, P-E-N-G-S-H-U-A-I. Uh, you can uh, do a search for that. And if you look up Reddit translation, you'll see the translation of her original sort of letter on this. Um, and again, it's pretty readable reading through it. Now, here's a, a couple of things still come to mind, Carl, I'll, but I'll start with this one. Why, why would state censors be covering for the former vice premier? I would understand that this is, uh, you know, the, the former vice premier, he's going to have power. He's going to want, if he's manipulative, which it sounds like he is, he's going to use that power to get what he wants. And so I could see him potentially coercing her on the back end, doing something like that. But state censors getting involved. This is covering for a former vice premier's sexual assault, uh, or alleged sexual assault, that kind of thing. And I get it's complicated, but still, they're covering for it. This is the state intervening to, you know, on, on the behalf of a former vice premier. Wouldn't the West be right to hit them on this, even though they're sort of, they completely don't oh. understand the specifics of the case? What's your take on it, Carl? Okay, so this is this is my personal take, right? I, I mean, the, 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 the Western media is come from, uh, obviously, come from very, very bad faith. Um, and, and but I, I think it's a good thing. I actually think it's a good thing. You, you actually force the Chinese state media have to respond to 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 provide whereabout of Peng Shui, whether he's she's OK or not. And they can't just keep it keep it under wraps. So at, at the same at the time, I say the Western media is going crazy, trying to paint, uh, trying to, you know, paint a bad light of China. But it, it doesn't mean all the effect is negative. You know, the, the positive uh, effect is forcing China in a way to be more transparent. And as you mentioned, why would the Chinese censor cover for a former vice premier? This is a this is this is something an aspect of Chinese censorship I have complained about over and over again is that the Chinese state censors want to control the narrative narrative on everything. Like they because what happened is. It, it, this this is a very big scandal, and you will lead invite a lot of public discussion. And what they're afraid of invariably that it will lead to the discussion about kind of the the nature of the the, the communist party and the, the 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 relationship between the government and the, the the you know the state and the people. And so so the, the censor really don't want that. They don't want they don't want too many controversies. But we so have that here in the Chinese states. Sense, Everybody, I mean, a, a lot of people internationally, of course, the Hunter Biden story, I would allege, is in its own way a much bigger scandal than what we're describing in this case. You have the literal son of the current sitting president, the son, the main guy who did all this stuff, prostitutes and crack cocaine and all these things in a very high profile case that was systematically and meticulously suppressed by local social media platforms. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't use Weibo. I'm not sure how your censors work exactly. But uh, you were saying they, they don't work too well. Here in the States, I would argue they work pretty well. People trying to send direct messages on Twitter with details in this Hunter Biden story and having the links automatically hidden so they couldn't literally communicate. And again, people can see it. And I don't know how 
you know, everybody sort of sees what's happening. Um, and so I don't know what they can ultimately do to combat that. But in terms of actually suppressing the story, we have that in common here in the States. And so I don't want to come to you so sort of over uber critically as a Western media outlet, you know, with a lack of understanding. We have some shared problems here, but it's also a worrying case, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like the the problem with the Chinese censor trying to control never narrative on everything, they end up owning everything. I mean, like in this case, Chi Chinese government didn't have to like insert itself between a, a field between a tennis player and the former vice premier. I mean, he's not even in office anymore. Like this is like the, the Chinese government could totally just distance themselves with this thing and 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 be done with it. But no, they this is like a, they're kind of kind of the the urge for control on the sensor side to control everything. And, and then that means that they end up owning everything. And the worst impulse, that triggers a worst impulse of on the Western media is saying, okay, oh my God, you know, Pensuai is probably getting arrested and, and probably being held under, you know, like against her will. will. And and in a way, all the friends, I, I, I think in a way the scrutiny is good because it does force the, the Chinese state media have to respond. And when the first when the when the scandal first broke out, I mean, most of the Chinese, I think, probably have the same th same thoughts that that Pensuai is just getting muzzled. But n nobody really seriously thought like Pensuai is in some kind of personal danger, like her her safety is in danger. That's what a lot of the Western media is implying. Yeah, and that's even just even muscled, they were implying. That's one hundred percent. Even muscled, I would just assume she's getting like a not even a stern talking to necessarily, but just a talking to or something that party officials would be coming down and having conversations with her or that mutual friends between her and the former vice premier, that kind of, I don't, who, who the heck knows? My point is you're right yeah. in saying that that's where the West is going with it, but that doesn't seem justified either by either before these photos or videos came out or even after it. It's possible. It's a possibility, but it would seem like an overreaction. You just want to talk to her if you're trying to get her to stop saying that stuff. I yeah. I mean, the, all they have to do is, I mean, like, but right now, after all this video uh, have of her surface, after she made a Zoom call with the uh, with the IOC uh, chairman, it like the the people are still spinning spinning like okay, like how, this is not acceptable. Uh, you know, because in reality, nothing is acceptable. <laughs> they they want Pensright to go to like the Washington Post headquarters and make a, a statement denouncing the Communist Party. That that will be the only acceptable solution, basically, for the Western media at this point. Um, but I I'm just glad. Looks like Pensright is in good spirit. Looks like she's okay. Um, at, at this and also it's I hope it will be a a, a learning uh, a, a learning opportunity for for like the Chinese censors that, that they don't they don't have to freaking cover everything. And and I, I do hope I do think there's a serious possibility that the vice premier uh, might be investigated because the, the thing is, Pensuai didn't, you know, make a formal formal charge against him, you know, about uh, sexual harassment. So so like the Chinese court can can handle it at this point. But but, um, you know, the and former the, the he's a former vice premier. But however, he's still a member of the Communist Party. So within the Communist Party, they have the Communist uh, Party uh, disciplinary committee that kind of handle all these kind of extra extra legal uh, investigation into his party members. So so it's very likely that vice premier will be this former vice premier will be investigated. And, you know, like 
during those big anniversaries, uh, uh, like the 100 years anniversary, all these uh, form leaders and former leaders sometimes get invited to, sh to show up on top of Tiananmen uh, Gate and, and ins you know, inspecting the parade. Uh, I, I, I bet uh, for former Vice Premier Zhang Gaoli is not going to show mm. up in any in public anytime soon. Mm. And he, uh, so I, 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 it's my hope that he did get investigated. You know, I, I do believe Pen Shui deserves some uh, um, justice. I mean, if if her allegation is true, and at the same time, you know, it also makes the, 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 the maybe hopefully makes the Chinese government realize. You know, sometimes a little bit of transparency is, is the best. You know, so the, it at least it doesn't have to attract all these kind of unwanted attention from the from the Western media, who are just basically flies attracted to any yeah. any crack in the egg. Yeah, uh, they look so for to anything speak. to basically jump on. Mm. Um, Carl, I want to move slightly or pivot a bit, not slightly, significantly so, over into Ethiopia. Um, in reading over the weekend, Ethiopia and China basically have trade relationship. In fact, China is its main trading partner for pretty much for anyone else. 21% um, of, let's say, brand new projects originated in the United States. 31% originated in China. And this kind of goes to this African pivot that China has basically had. I mean, it's all sorts of relationships, financial relationships with Africa. Um, and that was something that was obvious to see when I was in Kenya um, a few years ago. From, what's their perspective on this? I mean, they've seen kind of the West and the way the West has basically been intruding into what has been going on, either, even in the way that it talks about it, like the, just the propaganda that goes around it. I mean, this article from the Washington Post doesn't even bring up the fact that the TPLF started the conflict. I mean, and they're acting as if, oh, the West has been more neutral on this process and everything else. Um, how has China regarded this conflict, considering that they're one of Ethiopia's main trading partners, or the main trading partner in Ethiopia? Um, this is a good question because uh, <clears throat> actually, in terms of China's perspectives, this oh, it it doesn't really matter which way which side wins the conflict because if you look at the China's pragmatic diplomatic history, China will will work with whoever is in power. You know that this happened in Su in the conflict in Sudan. I mean, U.S. was actively backing the Southern Sudanese rebels to uh, to to have an independent South Southern Sudan, and they. They um, position it as a way to, uh, you know, wing off Sudan off the Chinese influence because at that time most of the oil in Sudan is in South Sudan and China, Petro China has a big operation over there. But instead, what happened? So you know, that's one of the George Bush's crowning achievement was celebrating the independence of South Sudan. But right after the Sudan, South Sudan became independent. China move in, establish relationship, continue to pump oil. So n nothing, you know, from, from China's side, they will deal with whatever is internationally recognized government. Uh, so whether it's a TPL, because the TPLF, they 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 used to rule Ethiopia for a long time, and, years, and yeah. they've just been like last last few years they've been dislodged. But uh, whether was Ethiopia was in TPF control or the current president Abiy control. China always had a working relationship with Ethiopia. So the, it's really like U.S. What um, I actually would like to talk about, uh, I don't know if you guys seen that recent New York Times article on how China, how U.S. lost ground to China in Congo. I mean, that is a more, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind boggling that, that New York Times, uh, the paper of record is, so open about uh you know advocating for u.s empire in africa um 
the I think the because the Ethiopia story is a little bit more complicated. So this is also like an ethnic conflict between uh, the the, the Tigrayans and the ethnic Tigrayan and also the the other other ethnic group in in Ethiopia, Amhara, and 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 that's that's all always you know when you try to get talk about ethnic conflict, it's always fraught. You know, it's, it, it ends up taking you know which side you're taking you're you're taking on and and us in ethiopia plays a very ambiguous role because um you know abby us have been friendly with abby's government as well you know abby was invited to like davos and like you know <laughs> and but at the same time um us kind of kind of belatedly pivoted to the ethiopian conflict yes. um you know especially they, they now they're talking about the you know human rights atrocities that's happening in ethiopia and 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 particularly among the us military there's a there's a couple articles there's one in foreign policy says you know us ethiopians should trust us to come in and do an intervention and I'm there's another you. article by a full I've yet to meet an yeah. Ethiopian that believes in the U.S. at this point. Like, and, and that kind of goes to this other question. Do you think that the U.S., especially media, has been so heavy-handed against the Ethiopian government because of its relationships with China? I mean, like you said, the TPLF had a relationship with China also. I mean, so... To give, yeah. you, to give you a sense among local, the local Ethiopians, literally here in D.C., and I'll hand it back to you, Jamal, because yeah. I know you were going with a specific question. Major protest but just framing this, framing this in terms of the facts locally, there was an, a, a protest by Ethiopians in front of the White House. A lot of people came out. No local news coverage, no news coverage, you know, no outside cameras from MSNBC, CNN, Fox, whatever, BBC. And yet, if you look around, and <laughs> it makes sense, a lot of the signs, pretty much most of the signs, were like, Fake news, BBC. Stop lying about Ethiopia. Exactly. People were incredibly critical of, of news coverage. So, Jamal, I know you're going somewhere, but Carl, yeah. that's sort of the... Yeah, it's kind of that part, right? I mean, considering China had a relationship with both, but is it just one of those things that the U.S. believes that the Abiy Ahmed government will be less likely to kind of, um, let's say, increase its relationship with the U.S. as compared to um, the TPLF, which at this point seems like it would owe the U.S. if it indeed continues with the sanctions and continue to find ways to undermine the government. And... This clearly is going to improve the relationship between Ethiopia and China, correct? I mean, I mean, if you look at the the media coverage, it is very. I agree, it's very suspicious. You know, after the foreign policy article about why Ethiopia should trust the West, you have a Bloomberg opinion article by the former general uh, James Starvis, uh, who I think he was a top NATO commander, and the title was "Ethiopia's Civil War is a Problem U.S. Troops Can Help Solve." I mean, these guys just love to insert U.S. everywhere. I think U.S. is more. Uh, I definitely, I would say, U.S. is very opportun opportunistic. I think this is—they saw the ethnic conflict and the, the civil war as a as an opportunity to insert U.S. troops presence on in Ethiopia because Ethiopia is a very important country at, in the Horn of Africa. It, it hosts the African Union uh, at, at in its capital, so so it's a very important country. I didn't think U.S. saw see definitely sees the civil war as a way to expand its own footprint in Ethiopia, and maybe they see at possibly at expense of China. But I I don't think that will actually work out because China don't see necessarily see everything as black and white. They will work with, 
you know, whoever is in power. It's only only U.S. We we are always see the world as some kind of Manichaean struggle between the light and the darkness. There's always like one good side, one the bad side, right? Um, I I this is my take. My I, my take is U.S. is just being opportunistic, trying to insert more military presence at the Horn of Africa because it's a very strategic region. Very cool. Carl, thank you, my man. Always appreciate these conversations. And I think I agree with you with the opportunistic thing. I think my concern is that dictatorships have, you know, are easier to deal with because you have basically one power source as opposed to democracies that are a little bit more messy. And whereas China is willing to work with either, well, it seems that the TPLF is going to give or offer something to the U.S. in this case if they get back in power. And some of that may be leverage um, in association with China on this. That's, that was my thinking about it. That's why I was asking the question in that way. Um, Carl, thank you very much. Um, you guys are listening to Fault Lines. Carl Zha is host of Silk and Steel podcast, focused on China and surrounding regions and their history, culture, and politics. You can follow him at Carl Zha on Twitter and follow his podcast, Silk, Steel, Silk, In, and subscribe and support his podcast at patreon.com, Silk and Steel. You guys are listening to Fault Lines. Thomas and Stranahan back in a moment. <laughs> 